Don't want to work forever? Once you can cover your living expenses with passive income, your day job becomes optional and you reach financial independence. You then have complete control over your time, your money, and your life in general. Spark Rental founders Denny Suplee and Brian Davis, me, are here to help you build rental income, ditch your day job, and do what matters most to you. So on that note, let's jump into today's episode, which, like all of our episodes, was recorded live. Hey guys, Brian Davis here from Spark Rental. So glad to be with you. And I'm so glad to have Lauren uh, from Adulting is Easy with us as well. Uh, Lauren Keen Almond is a real estate investor based in Tampa, Florida. Uh, she and her husband uh, plan on reaching financial independence and potentially retiring soon in their mid-30s. They have a portfolio of short-term rental properties, uh, stocks. Uh, so on that note, Lauren, let's jump in and, and just start right at the beginning of how you got started in real estate investing and what your first experiences and your first deal looked like. Hey, Brian, thank you so much for having me. And my first real estate deal was my first home. I know there's obviously much speculation about there and much debate. Is this a is this, you know, an asset or not? But in this case, it ended up being because I ended up using that equity for rentals later on. So I'll start okay. there. Uh, but I bought my first house. I went under contract when I was 22. I closed when I was 23. This is in 2012. So very depressed markets started in St. Petersburg. Yeah. Wait, I just happened to be the age where I needed to move out of the house. Right. So I talk about this a lot where I was definitely the right age at that time. It was great that I was able to afford that house. It was $125,000. I was working as a manager at Toys R Us making $28,000 a year. And I had $12,000 saved up from working in college. So somehow they approved me for this house, which was fantastic. <laughs> I, I put 10% down. I actually borrowed 5% of it from my parents, which was like six grand, which I paid back over time. And uh, I moved a roommate in. So maybe that's where the investing comes in. So the house hacking thing, which is where you buy a property, live in part of it, rent part of it out. So I had a roommate. My mortgage was $725, which sounds amazing now. And uh, he paid me, I think, $550 a month. So was living really cheap, had a house. And it ended up being a good investment because it obviously, given the timing, right, appreciated a lot. A lot over the next few years, I got into sales. So I ended up by the time, so at 22, I was making 28,000. By 24, 25, I was making six figures. And so when I got into sales, then I was able to max my 401k, max my Roth IRA, and there was money left over. And so I started saving for, of course, a BMW and a dream home. So that's, <laughs> that's the direction I went from there. But the one good move I make, I owe this to my dad. He really was, he, they had my parents growing up had one rental property and he's like, you should move out and keep that first house, three bedroom, two bath, one car garage home in a B class neighborhood, St. Petersburg, Florida, great rental. Right? So he really encouraged me to do that to the point that he let me borrow $28,000 to do it. So I could oh, put well. 20% down on the next house instead of 10 because I didn't want to pay PMI because the dad's like, you got to keep that house. I was like, well, I need 28 grand. He was like, okay. And I didn't think he would really do it. So I paid that back in about a year and a half or so. But at 27, then I had my dream home, a golf course community, BOW, and a single rental property. And 
I realized that I couldn't retire till I was 55. And I understand that that's early, but it wasn't early enough. And that was kind of where things really changed for me. <laughs> no, well, that, that sounds a lot like many other investors' origin stories, if you will. Um, you know, my, the first house that I bought to live in myself, I also rented out a room to a roommate, uh, which was great. <laughs> um, and, and then I also kept it as a rental when I, when I moved out. Um, so yeah, no, that, that all sounds like a classic, uh, real estate investor origin story. So how did you scale from there? How, how did you go on to buy your, your second, third, fourth properties? And as you scaled, what changed you know, in your investing strategy? So time is a big one, right? I needed those four to five years for the equity to really blow up in that first house and the time to save, set my financial foundation with, you know, the job. I spent a lot of time learning to be very good, pretty good, whatever, at sales, reading books, attending webinars. I really focused on my career to grow my income, which really helped as well. Uh, so 2017, I was 27. Um, my now husband then boyfriend was living with me and I had those two houses. We did that math uh, a couple of years later, realized we couldn't retire early, even though we had pretty good jobs. I was making really good six figures. I think I made 200 grand in 2018, right? And still the numbers weren't looking great. So that's when we really decided we need some actual cash flow. And if you look at your budget, you know, where we were at least, the number one light item was that house. Really nice house, the golf course community. And I'm like, all right, I need to get rid of this. And it was $25,000 a year that what we were paying to live there. And this is after taxes. So if you really think about it, that's like you got to make 30 grand to pay just that. Forget about everything yeah. else. And remember, I'm a few years removed from making $28,000 a year. So it just really smacked me in the face. You know, every month it was, I don't know, two grand or whatever, right? A little over. And that seems reasonable. But when you look at it like that, that you're making $30,000 just to live, I, uh, I I was like, we have to get out of this. And I had been looking for another rental property anyways, and I was getting beat out left and right. I knew I wanted a duplex because I had gotten into bigger pockets by this point, had done all of the reading and was trying to be more of a professional landlord than a mom and pop landlord. And so I was getting beat out because there were all these cash offers on these duplexes. And so my next step, was to sell that first home. I had lived in it two of the last five years, so there were no capital gains taxes on it. There and then go. I paid cash for a duplex. So then at 29, uh, my husband and I got married and we were sitting at the one primary house and the duplex. And things started to get a little bit better. But then I really started thinking, all right, let's buy another one. But let's, I kind of thought of it as like a buy one, get one free, like buy a primary residence, get a rental for free. Buy, I wanted to buy a house with an above garage apartment. That was the plan, right? And at least kill some of that, not lop some of that $25,000 off the top of our budget. And that's when things really sped up for us is when we started kind of house hacking over and over and over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you when you knock out your housing payment, you can devote so much more money into investments right off the bat. I mean, you know, the average person puts 25, 30, 35% of their income towards housing. So you get an instant, you know, 25, 30, 35% savings rate just from yeah. knocking out that payment uh, or, you know, reducing it significantly. So, right, right. And it was higher huge. than that because we had, you know, 
really two very good incomes. I don't want to minimize the impact that that had. It's not necessary. You can do some serious financial, make some serious financial moves and get a really good foundation laid on less. But I am a proponent of, you know, getting into sales. My husband's an engineer. We were making really good money. So we were saving at that point at least at least 50% when we started house hacking. And when we were, when, uh, you know, I brought this up to my husband, Hey, I want to move. He's like, Oh, we just got here like three. I was like, it's been three years, you know, whatever. Um, (laughs) But I was like, okay, like picture this with me, right? Let's get rid of this payment and let's buy a place that has rental income. And while we're at it, like, let's just dream big here. Let's buy, let's think that we're buying a house on this bike trail. There's a 45 mile bike trail here in Pinellas County, Florida, where, you, I mean, if I was like, well, let's buy something along there and let's buy in one of these little adorable towns here in Pinellas County. And let's, while we're at it, let's find a way to walk to restaurants and bars and really do this thing, you know? And I had him convinced about 15 minutes. It didn't take very <laughs> long. So we started looking. What we did was we started going to dinner in these little towns along the this trail in Pinellas County. We found one that we really liked. And we ended up buying, you know, we went under contract on a different place, but we ended up buying a bed and breakfast, a commercial bed and breakfast. It was functioning as such at the time. And we ended up being walking distance to the tourist area, but also the kind of main street downtown area. And kind of all for all of those reasons, suddenly I wasn't thinking about long term rentals anymore. We still had that duplex with the two long term tenants on the each, either side, but we're thinking, what if we did short-term rental? This is already a bed and breakfast and we've got just a great location here. And so that's where things really, really changed for us. I mean, we, we knocked out, it had, uh, it had two accessory dwelling units, ADUs. And so with those two rentals, we knocked out our living expenses with that, with literally that one purchase. We did need to do about $150,000 worth of work to it. And we were able to do that I had the down payment saved and then we sold that dream house and we used that equity to uh, do those renovations. And then we did a cash out refi there, got a hundred thousand dollars back out and had gotten rid of our, our, our mortgage payment. And so you're talking about, you know, two six figure earners with very little living expenses. And then we took that hundred thousand dollars, bought this duplex that I'm sitting in right now and killed some more bills and ended up being literally almost no bills. And then a year later, we did a 1031 exchange of that duplex into a six unit apartment building. And that was last year. And that made us officially FI, like officially no bills whatsoever. But we both still have full time jobs. So we're just stacking it on at this point. Well, that's fantastic. And I, I love how you could see the evolution of your your budget and your uh, your savings and investments, and then the passive income stacking up over time. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's a perfect case study of, of how to do this. So out of curiosity, did you guys get rid of a car when you moved into um, the, the bed and breakfast where you could walk and bike everywhere? We haven't. So we weren't sure. I had worked at a company for six years at that time. And a fantastic company, great culture, loved working there, really set me up, obviously, like we've talked about. I wouldn't be where I am without them. But they were selling, I was selling analog stuff, like in-person training. 
And I knew that I was going to want to enter the 21st century in terms of products and services that I was selling. And so with my job being kind of up in the air, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was going to need to drive for that job if I changed jobs. So we have to this point kept my car. It's a 2018 Honda Accord that I bought with 900 miles on it, paid cash. And then my husband has a Toyota 4Runner 2015 that just hit 100,000 miles. So we thus far have kept the Accord, I will say something else that we do which is really strange but we put all of our rentals on airbnb and so when something books we move which is why i'm not at that bed and breakfast right now but my car's there so we like don't even really have my car a lot of the time it's it, long story short we're definitely considered going to one car we're dragging our feet a little bit we just bought some electric bikes and that really nice. might i mean we we can replace some trips with those too. So uh, I, I feel bad, but I think the days of my Honda Accord are probably numbered. <laughs> yeah. So when, when my wife and I were living in the U S we each had a car and then we moved overseas to Abu Dhabi and we we're like, well, you know, we don't, we don't need each need a car here potentially, you know? So we went down to one car and we're like, well, we'll just see how it goes and maybe we'll get another one. Uh, and it worked fine. It was just fine. And then we, when we moved to Brazil, uh, we, we're like, well, let's try not having any car because we're living in a, an area that's very walkable and, and bikeable. And it's been almost four years now with no car. It's been awesome. I love biking and walking everywhere. Uh, but obviously you do need to be somewhere that that's feasible. Uh, for sure. For sure. And there are some things where, you know, we both still have jobs. So there could be a situation where I live in the Tampa Bay area, like I said. So there could be a situation where my husband needs to go to Orlando for a few days or a day or something. And you know, what if I also need to do something for work that day? I mean, if it's fly out, no problem. I can totally uh, take a take an Uber there. There would probably be some situations where it would get difficult. Um, but yeah, we, I don't, we don't need two cars. It's, it's really overkill at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that also, it, that's a, a illustration right there of how the, the financially independent lifestyle and reaching fire can compound on itself where, right. you know, if one of you were to retire, uh, you could knock out even one more expense by getting rid of a car, right? Uh, yep, or even exactly. potentially before one of you retires. So uh, yep. yeah, they, these can compound on themselves. I like to give the example that uh, because we live entirely on my wife's income and we we save and invest all of my income, uh, we don't have to pay for things like disability insurance or life insurance because Correct. if you know, God forbid something happened to one of us, financially, the surviving family right. members would be okay, right? Uh, right. These things of, you know, at your age, you should have X amount of dollars. I'm like, but we're FI. Like, we, like <laughs> all that happens if I die is my money stops going into a savings account. Like, it's right. That's a really good point. Yeah. So though, there are these hidden benefits to the, the FIRE lifestyle that, you know, a lot of people don't talk about, but these can compound over time. Um, you know, with us being overseas, you know, we don't have a housing payment because my wife's job provides housing for her. We don't have car payments or insurance or any of that stuff. Right. We don't buy stuff because we move every three, four years. So yeah. all of these, you know, just offer more opportunities for saving. Uh, and right. it all well, kind of and that's um, on each other. Kind of your money or your life too. that book talks about some of those things. It's like, do you will you need to go out to eat as much if you have more time? Well, you need to get groceries delivered, right? We do hello, we do hello fresh, and it's 
fantastic, but it's pretty expensive. If we had more time, would we feel the need to do that? So there, yeah, absolutely. Tons of examples like that. Yeah. Well, you know, the flip side of that, though, is if you have more free time, you might go out to dinner more Maybe. <laughs> because, because you're looking I, for more entertainment. It would be really hard for me to go out to dinner more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. So I, I want you, you touched on the fact that your area of expertise and your niche, your focus is short term rentals. So I want to dive a little bit more into that for some of our audience members who are interested in short term rentals, but maybe don't have any experience or don't know much about it. So, you know, tell us why, first of all, why you like short term rentals and why the rest of us should consider getting into them. Yeah, I, I really like short term rentals. I mean, the obvious reason is the cash flows better. It's definitely proportionally more work though. So what I mean by that sure. is say your revenue is two or three times what it would be as a long-term rental and your cash flow is say twice as much because there's more expenses. It's also like literally 10 times more work. So you may, you know, cash flow twice as much, but do 10 times more work. That said, we have systematized really well to the point that I spend 10, 15 minutes on this business every day. So it's, you know, during season, it might be 20 or 30 minutes, but on average, it's probably 15 minutes a day. And that's with nine short term rentals right now. That's and great. then we have three long term rentals plus two more because we bought a duplex, but the owners are in it right now. So, but when all of this shakes out, we're going to end up with a primary residence, four long-term rentals and nine short-term rentals. And, you know, we're talking literally 15 minutes a day. And we did about our revenue last year, I think was 250. And so the net is paying all of our bills plus 20, 30 to $50,000 more, depending on how much capital expenditures we do. So, you know, obviously the cash flows there, but there's, there's, sorry, there's more to it than that. <laughs> sorry about that. I had some connectivity problems. I think it was on my end. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so I, I love that. And I, so I take it that you, you don't do any of the, the hands-on work of like cleaning out the units in between like for turnovers, changing the sheets, you know, all that kind of stuff that, you know, you have to do, somebody has to do with Airbnb or. With yeah. I mean, we do setups, uh, setting them up. So we'll go on site and furnish everything. When we did the six unit apartment building, we did three of them at the same time. And so I like to buy my furniture used. So we bought every night we went out and we bought like a piece of furniture or a bedroom set or whatever. And we put it in a storage unit and then over the course of a couple months, and then we had a mover go and move the stuff in. And then we spent a couple of weeks there unpacking things, decorating, you know, watching, watching the, you know, the people doing repairs and, and things like that. We also do, my husband does a lot of the maintenance type stuff. So for example, even this morning we have like chinch bugs in this lawn. And so he's out there like doing a little work on that. And then in terms of the cleaning, no, we don't do that. But you know, will I take the rugs out of the units when I'm there and clean them or do a little bit extra, take the take the pillowcases off of like the decorative pillows and wash those and do you take the shower curtains down and wash them the extra things we do those and we do maintenance issues and things but yeah for the most part we're not doing the day-to-day -day cleaning or, or anything like that but we do for the most part do the maintenance type stuff okay no that all makes sense i understand that you teach short-term rental investing and management uh, through adulting is easy as is your brand. So tell us a little bit about that. What are you, what are you guys up to uh, with adulting is easy? 
Yeah. So adulting is easy. The idea behind it is if we make money easier, we make adulting easier. So I have a personal finance podcast. I'm going on episode 160 soon. That's great. Uh, I think I have up to 170 kind of scheduled out. But yeah, so I teach personal finance there with obviously there's a big real estate tilt and a big short term rental tilt there. Uh, pretty, pretty active on Twitter, just hit 25,000 followers on there. So nice. tweeting about personal finance every day. And then I'm a part of something called Cashflow University, which is primarily a discord group where we talk about 12 different ways to make money somewhat passively right outside of your job. So short-term rentals, long-term rentals, fractional real estate, all of the kind of general personal finance stuff too. We talk about, you know, budgeting and uh, credit cards and credit and things like that. But also there's a lot, there's a big group that does options trading on stocks, which is not my thing. I don't know mostly what they're saying in that group, but that's <laughs> why there's a bunch of us in there. And so I do, I do the short-term rentals and, and long-term rentals in there. I also do some one-on-one -on -one coaching if people want to, you know, basically hang out for an hour and analyze deals or if they want to learn about short-term rentals. I have a gum road too, with like a ton of just different free resources as well. Uh, some paid, but yeah, so I do, I do a little bit of coaching. We've hosted as from an Airbnb perspective over, you know, 400 guests at this point in 25 months. So That's it's great. been really drinking from a water hose, but we have a lot of really good systems and processes and, you know, so it's definitely a business. That's something that I tell people all the time about short-term rentals is yes, it's real estate, it's real estate investing. It's also literally hospitality. So be prepared, eyes wide open going into that. But with that, you also get really, basically you're incentivized to have really nice properties, keep them really beautiful, always be improving them. The people that are there for the most part, like super happy, especially here in Florida and it's 78 degrees out right now and it's like snowing elsewhere in this country right so people then are, are just happy for the most part it, it, in terms of long-term rentals you're not in, as incentivized to keep the place beautiful tenants when you're talking to them they're not usually happy you know i do <laughs> i don't get me wrong i think there's a place for long-term rentals in your portfolio like i said i have some um but you know the short-term rental game is just it's i found my thing right and i have systematized the crap out of it and it's been it's been really good for us, really good for me and my husband and led to financial independence at, at a year ago. So we were 29 and 32. That's fantastic. And, you know, I love that you said I love that you emphasized that it is a business and you have to treat it like a business. And in some ways, I actually think that the short term rental business uh, forces you to do that. Uh, whereas so many landlords and you know mom and pop real estate investors, they don't approach it like a business. but they should, and they really need to, if they're going to be profitable, or at least consistently profitable. Whereas the short-term rental business is a hospitality business, and you kind of have to approach it that way, uh, at least if you aren't going to pull your hair out. <laughs> so Exactly. Um, I mean, there's so much more to it than with my long-term rentals. And like I said, I have five right now, soon to have four, because we're moving into one. But you know, I, my tenants, you know, if they miss rent tomorrow... <laughs> Okay, I'll text them, you know, 
there, I don't have, there's not as much incentive because of how little time you end up spending on it. You know, I could get a, this website together where they could put in maintenance requests and things like that, but there's just, I don't have any incentive to systematize that like you do with short-term rentals because there's so many, there's so many more moving parts with the communications and the locks and the cleaners Absolutely. and all of those types of things. And then you have, uh, you have to pay the tourism tax, remit the tourism taxes, especially if you're on, you know, with the VRBO bookings, VRBO doesn't remit those for you once you have a property management software. So there's just a lot of incentive to systematize there more so than, I mean, you can get by with probably up to 10 long-term rentals without having to really think too much about, about the systematizing and having a bookkeeper and accountant and all of those things like we have to. Yeah, no, absolutely. So we put a link to your website, realadultingiseasy.com in the comments. We also put a link to an article about uh, ADUs, accessory dwelling units, since you touched on them, but we didn't dive into them. Uh, yeah. But so anyone, if anyone's not familiar with ADUs, we put a, a link to a, an article explaining those. How else can people stay in touch with you or, or, or reach out to you if they are interested in learning more about short-term rental investing, uh, systematizing their short-term rental business? Uh, what's the best way for people to, to reach you? I would love it if everybody would follow the podcast. It's on Spotify, Apple, everywhere you listen. Again, it's called Adulting is Easy. You should be able to find it. I'm on YouTube at Adulting is Easy. So you'll get clips from those podcasts, videos as well. And you can find me on Twitter at adulting is easy on Instagram at adulting is easy real. And like, like Brian just said, you can do real adulting is easy.com and you can find more about Cashflow university there and you can find the gum road resources and I'm pretty accessible. My DMS are open on Twitter. That's probably the best place. Uh, well, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on today. I always love hearing different real estate investors' perspectives, especially in niches that I am less personally familiar with, such as short-term yeah. rentals. So thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciated having you on. Thanks for having me. It was great. It was a blast. All right. Well, and we'll have to have you on sometime soon to uh, come back and let us know if you you know, pulled the trigger on, on your husband retiring or, or maybe you. So uh, yeah, we'll have, to, we'll, we'll have to do this again sometime in the near future. And, It'll be soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on that note, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Let us know, uh, you guys, what you want to hear more about in the future. Uh, we're super easy to reach. Support at sparkrunnel.com. And we will catch you on the flip side. Did you know we offer a free eight-video course on how to reach financial independence with real estate? It's super bingeable with each video around 10 minutes long, but packed with information. Visit sparkrental.com slash learn for instant access. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Thanks for joining us. And we will catch you on the flip side.